Welcome to Reader Seeks Romance Channel's Romance Roundup. I am Liz Donatelli. And I'm Libby Kay, author of the Sweet Romance series, Buckeye Falls. Libby and I are excited to share our list of must-read booty romances. And author of Love of My Lives, Shamile Saeed Mendez, joins us for a chat. If you're listening to us on Podbean or your favorite podcast app, then be sure to like and subscribe to Romance Roundup. Also, watch Romance Roundup on Reader Seeks Romance's YouTube channel. Be sure to like and subscribe. Libby, let the roundup begin. Okay, giddy up, Liz. All right, so as you know, I am a sucker for food in any romance novel at all, and this was uh, surprisingly challenging to come up with my top picks. And I will, spoiler alert, have some honorable mentions at the end of the show. So the first one I decided to talk about is Battle Royal by Lucy Parker. Uh, this came out in August of 2021 from Avon. And this is pretty much um, why I love baking romances. It is colorful. It is quirky. It is charming. Um, it has all of my favorite tropes like um, enemies to lovers. I would consider this a rom-com because there were some actual LOL moments. Um, and this is the first in the series um, Palace Insiders. The second one, Codename Charming, just came out this fall. Okay. I haven't read it yet, but it also, and I just forgot who the other character was in it, but it, I remember being excited when I saw it was coming out. So um, definitely give that a look if this one sounds good to you. But general premise of this book is kind of, it, it's kind of like if you take the royal baker for the royal family and uh, Great British Bake Off and like mash it together into this like Ooh. cute little story. It's just so fun. So Sylvie is a baker who charmed the world with her quirky and colorful creations on a show called Operation Cake, which sounds like the Great British Bake Off. Yes. And uh, the judges all loved her except for Dominic. And so obviously we're going to be hearing from him more in a moment. And she was eventually, um, after a little flub, uh, voted off the show. So she's devastated. She thinks, every, you know, oh, what am I going to do? Well, flash forward four years and she has her own bakery and things are going great. And she gets uh, approached to go back on the show as a judge. And guess who's going to be on there with her? You got that right. It's Dominic. <laughs> I was just going to say Dominic. <laughs> Can I, is Dominic like a Paul Hollywood type? I would say yes, and no offense to Paul Hollywood. I I got like more like stern, like you know, ooh, I, I don't know. He no offense to Paul Hollywood. He doesn't do it for me. I like his baking, but he doesn't. You know, oh, okay, because he does the it descriptions for me. of Dominic. I, Dominic, I kind of felt like he could be like if maybe like. Although to be fair, Henry Cavill is usually like my default in my brain if the if the hero is not described very well. <laughs> yes, no, I agree. Oh, yes. And Tom Hardy is another one of my defaults. Yes, yes. Uh, and again, they're both British and this is a British guy. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> so there we go. So, um, but he is one of the judges on the show again. And so they have to work together. And to add to the fun, the um, the princess, because uh, in this scenario, well, the book came out before Charles was king, but there's a king of England, not a queen. Okay. Um, and his daughter's getting married and she wants Sylvie's colorful cake creations, but the king wants Dominic's more traditional style. So that kind of adds another level mm. of like, you know, tension and conflict to the story. So I don't want to give anything else away with it, but the secondary characters are great. Um, the 
she makes uh lucy parker makes dominic the bad guy but in a good way for a little while before he kind of has his redemption and i like that when it's you know it's not just like he's gruff for like two pages and then he's a sweetheart like she really has him be the grumpy to sylvie sunshine which was fun to read um but it gives you all the great british bake-off vibes um it's the descriptions of the baking and both of their methods are, you know, it's that same church, different pew. They obviously have to yeah. follow the rules. They're bakers. But she, I like how she shows the difference between Sylvie and Dominic's style. It was really fun to read and yeah. delicious. It had me hungry the whole time. <laughs> now, does the author have a background in the culinary arts? That I don't know, because I've read um, she had another series um, before this one, and that was uh, surrounding actors. Uh, so I don't right. remember getting yeah. food vibes with her other books, but she obviously did her research or she's at least a Bake Off fan because it was, yeah. I, I mean, the elements of even how she described the competition show, it seemed exactly like what you would see on Bake Off or the Food Network shows. Oh, that's awesome. This sounds great. This sounds like right up my alley. And it's, it's, I, I always say brain candy. And I mean that as the highest compliment, like there's just enough conflict to keep it going, but you can just sit back and, you know, drool while you're reading. I highly recommend Battle Royal by Lucy Parker from Avon Publishing. Excellent. I love it. Wow. That's a strong start to this episode. So what is your first foodie pick, Liz? I have another rom-com from Suzanne Park. As you recall, Ooh. I did mention Suzanne's The Do-Over in yes. uh, episode three, which is our cozy fall romance episode. I have a rom-com, So We Meet Again, by Suzanne Park. And this was published in 2021 by Avon. So here's the gist. Jessie Kim has just been laid off from her job as an investment banker. So she moves into her childhood home with her parents in Tennessee, with whom she has a tense relationship. So while Jessie is visiting the local Asian grocery store, she runs into her childhood nemesis, now a successful lawyer, Daniel Choi. And love I love this seed. It is a wheat cute seed in which Jesse is holding a huge bag of rice. And it reminds me of the I carried a watermelon scene in Dirty Dancing. Dirty Dancing, yes. <laughs> and when I interviewed Susanna about So We Meet Again, I don't think I asked her about that, if it was purposely like a nod to Dirty Dancing. But in my mind, it certainly was. So Jessie decides to relaunch her Korean cooking show on YouTube. That's what she did before she gave it up to be a full-time investment banker. On the cooking show, she shared she shares she shells at the seashore. Um, <laughs> on the cooking show, Jessie shares meal prep hacks for mouth-watering Korean recipes. A few of them include uh, rice cake soup. I love anything with soup, to be honest. Yes. And Korean fried dumplings known as mandu. Ooh. So Jesse and Daniel put aside their differences when he offers to help her to grow the success of her YouTube show. And then, of course, romance ensues and the two fall for each other. Yes. <laughs> Suzanne is really good at writing parental conflict in her rom-com. She's really, she really gets to the heart of the matter. And during the course of her novels, you'll see an improvement. It won't be all tidy with a bow at the end, but you see improvement. And So We Meet Again is no exception. Jessie actually works out her issues with her mom 
when her mom kind of unexpectedly joins Jesse on her Korean cook show. Uh, oh, I love it. Yeah. So the, the mother is hilarious, though, because she's like not really playing to the camera. So there's a <laughs> lot of funny interactions between Jesse and her mom. Um, but uh, yeah, so so we meet again by Suzanne Park. Delicious love story filled with huge laughs. Uh, check it out. What tantalizing treat do you have for us next, Libby? Okay, so this one and people, if they've read the series, are going to be like, why in the world did Libby pick this one? But I don't know. When I thought it, when I started making my list, this seemed like a no-brainer. So I picked uh, Beard Science by Penny Reed. This came out back in 2016, independently published, although now I think she has her own publishing line called Smarty Pants uh, Romances. Yeah. So, um, But at the time, I think it was just her name. Uh, anyway, so this is book three in the Winston Brothers series, and I would not call this a, a food series at all, um, but this book, our heroine Jen is a baker. And the thing I like about this book is it starts off and she is the banana cake queen and she literally dresses like a banana. She's got blonde hair. She wears like, you know, 1950s fl uh, flare dresses. Mm -hmm. um, she just leans into this like perfect social media character that she portrays. So can I just say that banana cake, very underrated. Yes, I love anything with bananas and real banana, like not banana flavor. Yeah, real banana. Like real banana. But anyway, so Jen's the banana cake queen and you go into the story thinking that she likes having this like, you know, on the outside perfect life and you quickly realize that she hates it. And I thought that that was a really interesting way to write a character. She loves the baking, but she hates this image that she has to like kind of like live and bake yeah. within. So, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but our hero who I love, his name is Cletus. And I would never in a million years think that I would find the name Cletus sexy because the first person I think of with Cletus is Cletus from The Simpsons, which no offense to Cletus. You would from think the that. Simpsons, but I wouldn't think he's sexy. No offense so, to any of our Cletus fans out there. So Cletus is is the name. Is there a nickname that they use? No, he's just Cletus. Oh, yeah, that is bold. No, it's bold. bold. And, and I have to tell you, as a side note, I did uh, listen to this one. I've read the other ones in the series in print, yeah. but um, Chris Brinkley is the narrator. And at the risk of creeping him out with this description, I felt like I could have gotten pregnant listening to him read the sex scenes. Like I could listen to that man read a phone book, a menu, whatever he has. Oof. Uh, yeah, really? really great narration. So yeah, and I'm telling you, like, you could call Chris Brinkley whatever you want, and it's great. So he Ooh. brought Cletus to life in all the right ways. And I, I don't even know how to describe Cletus as a character without giving anything away, because he's so, um, he just has so many different characteristics that somehow work perfectly together. Um, but he was one of my favorite of the Winston brothers. And this series in general is just like bananas crazy. Like, oh, I just realized what I did there. Fun alert! <laughs> But it is just like, I love the interaction with the brothers. Um, each book obviously follows one of the uh, seven brothers as they find love. And this is the third. You can read them out of order. You don't even have to read all of them because she, Penny Reed gives enough background. Uh, so you'll have a general idea of what's going on. But I just, I loved how this was a food story that followed a baker who just wanted to bake what she wants to bake and not be boxed into this like perfect image that her family has kind of put out there on social media. And so while her and Cletus are falling in love, he kind of helps her kind of find more of herself. So, um, but yeah, and I don't want to say anything else because I don't want to give away any of the 
delicious little plot points, but I'm telling you, like, you will love Cletus, you will get past the name Cletus, and it is just, I don't know, it's, it's funny, it's quirky, it's definitely has a few sexy moments, but Penny Reed does a really good job of kind of delving into some of, uh, you know, the character's backstory on why they are the way they are, and I, yeah. there was a few moments where I'm just like, oh, Cletus, <laughs> is so good like I read it years ago and I still vividly remember certain scenes because it was just so well done so yeah. that is a random random pick for foodie fiction but um yeah Beard Science by Penny Reed is just it's great <laughs> you know that's the hallmark of a really good novel is when of any genre is when years later you could still remember some specifics from yes. the book whether it's just a scene or a character name, that's how you know, like, oh, wow, that really was a good book because that stuck with me somewhere in my psyche. It just attached and wouldn't let yeah. go. No, Jen and Cletus. Oh, and I forgot. They have, um, Penny Reed wrote a whole other series with them that's actually a mystery series that came out a couple of years ago. Really? Um, it's literally called The Cletus and Jen Mysteries, and it follows them while they get engaged and married and mm -hmm. I guess life after marriage. I only read the first two. But um, they just solve these little quirky mysteries um, in, in their small that. town in Tennessee. But it also kind of shows their love story as it progresses. So yeah. those are cute. Um, they definitely have the foodie element because she's still a baker. But um, right. obviously you want to read the beard science before you read yeah. any of those or they won't make any sense. Wow. So, yeah. Solid choice. I, I dig oh, it. Thank you. I dig <laughs> it. All right. So what is next on the menu, Liz? Where are you taking us next? I'm taking you to Scotland. Ooh, all right. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I have selected Mangoes and Mistletoe, a foodie holiday lesbian romance by Adriana Herrera. This novella was self-published by the author in 2019. And I am a big fan of Adriana's work. I've read her workplace romance, Here to Stay, her historical romance, A Caribbean Heiress in Paris, which I know that you also yes. read. We read that together in book. And I really enjoyed that. That was a good one. Yeah, it was. Uh, Adriana's character development is compelling. And she is aces at building and satisfying sexual tension on the page. So, I mean, you really can't go wrong as far as I'm concerned with anything by Adriana Herrera. Here's the gist. Pastry chef. Kiskea Burgos and self-taught baker Suli Morales are paired up on a baking competition show called Holiday Baking Challenge, and it's taped in Scotland. Heck yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Like, okay. So Kiskea has one goal, and that's to win. No distractions. But ample-bosomed Suli is a huge distraction. <laughs> Yes, that pun was intended. I like it. <laughs> Kiskeya and Suli are both Dominican, but have different approaches to winning the contest. Suli wants to create holiday treats with Dominican forward ingredients and taste profiles. But Suli is reluctant to play up her heritage in her bakes for reasons that are revealed. Things eventually get very steamy when they are forced to share one bed in their castle hotel. Yes, one bed. <laughs> one bed, one bed. Is there really uh, any other trope that needs to exist? <laughs> yes, I know. First of all, one bed in a castle, like it's a castle hotel. I know. It's just like, oh. come on. 
And uh, so all of the bakes are just exquisite. There's mention of sugar plum Linzer tarts with Earl Grey infused butter crust, which what? Appa- <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And uh, key lime coconut shortbread houses because, you know, obviously there's a holiday theme to a lot of the bakes. So, um, so yeah. So it is just mouthwatering in and out of the bedroom. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you see it? So uh, I highly recommend Mangoes and Mistletoe by Adriana Herrera. Well, and I like that it's a novella because this is the time of year as we are in the fall, leaning into the holidays. I, I just get on these kicks where I'm just like, I just want, I want to read everything because I just feel like, extra, I mean, I read yeah. all the time anyway, but you feel extra cozy. So I love, I love yes. a good novella. Yes. And writing a novella takes another set of writing skills. You have to accomplish a lot with fewer words. Oh yeah. And, and you can't get overly flowery with anything. Yeah. It has to be, but you also can't be so dry that it's like, what am I reading? Right. So now what's cooking Libby? Oh, I, I love these puns, Liz. Keep them coming. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm really just not doing well with these. But anyway. No, you're you're killing it. All right. So uh, next up is one that I know we both read and enjoyed at our book club. It's Chef's Kiss by TJ Alexander. This came out in May of 22 from Atria Press. And um, this one was a lot of fun because obviously, as the title would say, it involves some chefs. And uh, looking at tropes, we have the grumpy sunshine trope, workplace romance. And this is an LGBTQ um, romance that features a non-binary love interest and then a queer uh, love interest as well. So um, the writing on this is fantastic, especially with the food descriptions. I remember when we discussed this at book club, we were all like, we need the recipe for every single thing described in this book. Um, Specifically, there was like a savory tart with like butternut squash or something that randomly think about in the middle of the night when I can't sleep and I'm like, yes. why am I not eating this? <laughs> and TJ sent out um signed book plates to us. Yes, yes. Cause I, and, I yeah I have yes one. and we were all hoping it would be that recipe, but it's a Yankee ooh, oh um, what's it called? A a Yankee casserole not a yet casserole. But yeah it Yankee was, cheesecake um, something. It was something oh I'm terrible the cottage cheese yeah, but it was it looked really good, and I yeah. cooked myself because I haven't tried it yet, and yeah. I, I don't know. But this is also the time of year where I love to cook because it's cold, and what else are you going to do? General premise of the story, we have um, Simone, who is our high-strung pastry chef, and she's very focused on her job. She doesn't like to mix, you know, friendships with work. She's just, you know, no nonsense, come in and work. And then there's Ray, the new kitchen manager who comes in, and they are a literal ray of sunshine. And so, you know, the book starts out, they're obviously not on the same page. And um, the mag or the um, the group that they work for, the discerning chef, it kind of gave me America's Test Kitchen vibes. I don't know if you felt that when we were reading it, because or maybe it was just Simone's like how everything had to be like A, B, C, D in order. And I that's why I like America's Test Kitchen is that's where I go if I just want to be told like, hey, dummy, do it this way and it'll turn out perfectly. So that's I've kind never of the vibe seen, I got. I've never seen that. Oh, no, I love it. Oh, my God. No, I'm obsessed. And I've been I mean, that's like a comfort show for me is just putting it on the background, like good old PBS and just have people tell me how to cook something yummy. And um, really? they've saved my bacon a lot when uh, cooking for the holidays with stuff like gravy. And I made a really good random biscuit recipe once that 
Um, I know I'm thinking about that now. I'm really craving biscuits, but yeah, I love America's America's biscuits. Oh, I'll have to check that out. So then I would trust your judgment. It probably is somehow um, inspired. It it, it gave me that vibe. And it's not that they're dodgy because I felt like the way um, T.J. Alexander wrote The Discerning Chef, it it felt a little sometimes dodgy. And I guess that's kind of how Ray was able to come in and and shine. I'm just going to keep using all these lovely puns. I know. Uh, and I noticed that you said about saving your bacon. That didn't go unnoticed. I did notice that. (laughs) It's just because I'm hungry. Why are we talking about food so much? Uh, But so anyway, but Ray and Simone have to work together. They butt heads because they don't see eye to eye on how a kitchen should run. And um, the thing, and this is going to sound weird because I really did like this story, but the thing that I really liked about this, I didn't like Simone the whole time. Like usually you get your two love interests and you like them both and it's like, yay, they're both perfect. I really liked how how Simone was written because there was a few chapters I'm like, why is Ray even interested in Simone? She's kind of, you know, but I liked, and I don't want to give away anything with the story, but I liked Simone's character arc and by the time it was done I you know I loved them both and I was happy with how everything wrapped together perfectly right but um it was one of those examples of a time when I enjoyed not liking one of the love interests from the beginning I I really I don't know I felt that added to the story a little bit that's an interesting take I I don't recall um I don't recall my thoughts on that <laughs> when I read it, uh, no, th- that's a really interesting take because it's almost as if you and Ray both fell in love with Simone together. Because yes, no, I like, think so. Yeah, yeah. So actually, that that's very skilled uh, writing right there. I think so, and I and I don't want to give away when I started liking Simone because that'll ruin the whole twist of the story. But yes. it was she she earned her redemption like i felt like i'm like oh i like simone now so I, yeah i i don't know i thought it was a really good book the food like i said i mean every recipe was described perfectly and yeah um i love that our book club talks over food because i remember when we discussed this we were all like actively drooling so yeah yeah it was um no it was a great i really enjoyed that one highly recommend chef's kiss by tj alexander and the second one just came out, uh, I think, earlier this year, right? Uh, Chef's Choice. Yes. That follows another one, one of the secondary characters. Because that was another thing about the book that was nice is they were really good. Um, it's, it's a colorful cast that didn't feel like they were there as a distraction. I felt like they added to the story. The story, yes, which is uh, which is important. And uh, I've noticed that romance writers in general, as of recent years, have been investing more into the supporting characters. Because mm-hmm. in the past, it was always that those characters just were one dimensional and supported the goals of the main characters. But now I'm seeing a lot more time being invested in creating um, fairly well-rounded supporting characters. That might also be because those characters then take the lead in a future novel. Book. Maybe that's why. But sometimes that's not the case. They're just, you no. know, pretty well-rounded and um, they're, they always remain supporting. So I, yeah. I appreciate that because um, anything that's going to add depth to a story is going to compel and engage. So Absolutely. And yeah, TJ Alexander did a really good job with that. Libby and I are excited to welcome Shamile Saeed Mendez, author of Love of My Lives, published by Kensington in September 2023. Thank you for joining us, Shamile. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be with you today. 
Could you please share what Love of My Lives is about? Yes, Love of My Lives is about Maddie, who when she was 11 had a dream about this person that would be the love of her life uh, that she would meet when she was older, of course. And all her life, she's been searching for this person. She only has a little clue, which are the initials JR. So she goes through her fair amount of dating people who have the right initials, but are not the right person. And so she decides to not look for love anymore. And just she goes on a business trip to Puerto Rico when she finally meets somebody who uh, checks on all the important things for her, except for the initials. And so she has to, to reconcile this belief that she had all her life with how she feels for this person. And uh, there's a lot of confusion. And uh, it's, of course, set in beautiful Puerto Rico. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of fun as she comes to terms with her feelings. I immediately connected to Maddie's story, my grandmother predicted when I was a child who I would marry, the name. And so, <laughs> yeah, so, so here's it. My grandma, uh, very religious. We grew up Catholic. She did not consider herself psychic or into the mystic arts or anything of that kind. But she told my mother when I was a young child, Elizabeth is going to grow up to marry a Thomas one day. No way. That's yeah, no, I'm, yeah, now, now, now Libby knows my, my husband, his name is Tom. And what? my whole life, every time I would meet someone I was attracted to, my mom would say, well, what's his name? What's his name? <laughs> so, um, and I would say, oh, it's so-and-so, so-and-so. My mom was like, oh, okay. Well, you know, grandma always said you were going to meet uh, a Thomas and marry a Thomas. So what's funny when I met my husband, it didn't even, I didn't remember any of that. Uh -huh. And as you know, our relationship progressed, my mom was like, Oh my God, your grandmother said you were going to marry a Thomas. So, um, <laughs> I did. Yeah. So I, I wonder if there are other grandmothers out there making these predictions. I mean, there have to be, <laughs> you know, like I, not necessarily in this situation, but I've met other people that said, oh, my grandma said that I would do this or that when I was yes. older. And then I forgot, I, I ended up having the career that my grandma had, yeah. you know, like little things like that. Um, and so, yeah, it's strange. Even people that don't have a connection with, you know, like, uh, yeah. like just esoteric arts. Yes little glimpses into the future. <laughs> yes, yes. And that's why I love that opening chapter, speaking of, of that point in, in Maddie's life. Now, Puerto Rico is a yeah. vibrant character in Love of My Lives that is so beautifully detailed and its cuisine so deliciously described. What is, <laughs> um, I mean, really, I mean, it's so mouthwatering. What is your connection to the island of Puerto Rico and its cuisine? Well, I am not from Puerto Rico. I'm from Argentina, and my family comes from all over the world. But when I was 19, I came to the United States to go to school. And within a few months, I wasn't even 21 years old yet, and I met, who is now the love of my life. We've been married. We'll have our 25th anniversary in December. Oh, congratulations. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> We're babies, and we kind of grew up together. And 
Uh, he's from Puerto Rico. Th that's a funny thing about names. His name's Jeff. Nobody would ever think of a Puerto Rican name, Jeff. <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> like if, if my grandma had to foresee that, she would have never gotten it right. But yes. Um, and I I fell in love, of course, with him, but also with his culture and, and the island. He uh, he is very attached to, to his uh, heritage. And some, we live in Utah now, like in the middle of the mountains, and I love it here. It's one of the most beautiful places in the world. But sometimes, especially in the winter, he'll say, oh, I feel like the cookie frog, the island's calling me, and he has to go home, even though his parents don't live there anymore. Oh. <laughs> and we go to Puerto Rico quite a few times a year. We were just there in July. We will be there for Christmas. Right. And of course, the, the food is so different from Argentine cuisine. And they have ingredients that in Argentina we don't we don't use like plantains and lots of beans and every meal is like an explosion of flavors. So it's just one of the things that I love the most. And uh, before I was an author, I I cooked a lot more than I do today, and I okay. my and several recipes which are so time consuming and now luckily we have somebody in our town that delivers Puerto Rican food so I refer nice. to the experts now <laughs> wow and that and that's in in Utah like so yes. is there a community because when you think There's Utah you don't you just think of all white you know <laughs> exactly and a lot of people think that and when I moved back here at the end of the 90s yes it was a lot more um homogenic yes but we have a huge immigrant and refugee community in Salt Lake okay. City and it's quite diverse actually of course as you go into the little towns you know it gets a little more uh, stereotypical looking yeah, <laughs> right. Utah for the eclipse right. and uh, we were with, with some friends from Peru so <laughs> oh wow that that's awesome cool. now did you and Jeff have similar romantic experiences as Maddie, where you're bonding over different cultural cuisine, each other's cultural cuisines and sharing memories and then falling deeper in love. Would you say that you identified with your character in that way? I identify with her a lot because even though, um, of course, when I met my husband, I was so young and I tried to, you know, like kind of fight the feeling like, oh, he's the one because it was against everything my mom had taught me, like go to school and don't even think about, you know, romance until you're graduated right. and have a career. And that's what I told my daughter, taught my daughters. But of course, that's not what I did. <laughs> and yes, we both have adapted a lot into what the other one loves, uh, not only in cuisine, but I'm a rabid soccer fan. And he's become a soccer fan too. Like for in the World Cup, in the final against France, uh, he was so emotional that Argentina had finally won. I'm like, oh my gosh, he's he's a true Argentine by now. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I love that. that. It's so important for the other person to, you know, even if they don't love uh, the same things you do, to to accept you, accept your love for them, and you know, encourage the things that you're passionate about. Right. Absolutely. Now, in preparing to write a lot of the descriptive scenes about um, the different uh, places to visit in Puerto Rico, the food, the drinks. What types of research did you invest in those scenes? Did you go to your 
a husband for resource? Did you go watch videos? Did you read some cookbooks? Like what did the research process look like? Did you taste a lot of delicious food? I mean, it was all of the above. I I asked um, my father-in-law for a lot of his res- uh, favorite recipes. And it's amazing, even though I've spent a lot of time in Puerto Rico and when we were um, early in our marriage, we lived there for two years. And so I, you know, sometimes you think you remember some things, but then when I would go back or do some research, I would learn uh, different things that I thought would be super fun. Like when they're at that restaurant and uh, she talks about the different Taino gods and what they mean. And so, uh, or what the ice cream slushy limber comes from. I didn't know those things. And it's, you know, like, I think it happens in a lot of cultures that certain elements are such a part of your daily life that you don't stop to think where they came from or why they're called the way they are. So it was so much fun to to do this research. Yes. And a lot of things I could find in books, asking family members, since I get to go to the island a lot, I got to go to these places like the caverns and Culebra Island is my favorite place in the whole world. And so I got to go to Culebra a couple of times to do some more research about it. Also, I follow a lot of people that have those mini farms, micro farms, and started, and they work with native um, plants from the island and and coffee and, you know, going back to their roots and uh, sugar cane and the little, the little farms like potato farms like where Peter works yeah and so um, I was able to talk to a lot of people about them Uh, it was so much fun because I wanted to learn everything I could about Puerto Rico to show uh, my readers and and that's the thing Puerto Rico is so tiny but it's such a rich place in every way you can think of so I wanted to to showcase all I could about it so that people would fall in love with it the same way I fell in love with it when when the first time. Your work definitely reads like a love letter to Puerto Rico. (laughs) Yeah, there's like two romances. There's there's the Maddie romantic relationship. uh, And then there's the uh, the love of Puerto Rico. So that definitely does come through. Given in Love of My Lives, you explore food traditions and cuisine as a way for characters to connect to their roots and also to grow romantically in love with each other. Would you say that the way to a person's heart is through their stomach? I mean, I have never found evidence to the contrary. I feel like food is never, I mean, you will never go wrong with food. Um, I, in all of my writing, I explore this connection to family and home, even my books for younger readers. And so I've done a lot of research in why food is so important to people. And I found that, you know, like even in my family, I have ancestors from Palestine and from Yugoslavia, I mean, uh, and Spain and Italy. And there's aspects of the culture that get lost within just one generation. One of them was language. You know, nobody in my yes. family spoke Arabic, although I, my name is pretty much the only Arabic thing that I have. And then we lost contact with our family there when the their family members started passing on. But food is one of those things that remain. And music is another one. And so that's why music is such an important part of the story too. Yes. And so 
I feel like food is one of those things that remain in families that connect them back to their roots. And even if they don't know why they love something so much or a a recipe is not too, you know, elaborate or sophisticated, but it's home and it takes you home when you taste it. And so that's why I feel like food is a way to, to people's heart. When people offer you food, they offer you love. That's how a lot of families show love. And and when you get the original recipes, you know, you've been truly accepted <laughs> into a family. Yes, yes. I love that. that. <laughs> yeah, that's beautifully stated. Yes. Um, okay. I am uh, of Italian descent and uh, food is is everything. We make up excuses just to get together to eat. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. The first thing uh, my mom would ask us when we'd wake up in the morning is, what do you want for dinner? Yes, for dinner. (laughs) Yes, what do you want for dinner? And she'd ask us that while we're having breakfast. Now, since on Romance Roundup, we give romance book recs, I have to ask, are there any romances that you read recently or in the past that you would like to recommend? Yes, I just recently read a book that I love, Dial A for Aunties. And the author is Jesse Q. Sutanto. And I loved it because it's a rom-com, but it's also a murder mystery. Mm-hmm. And I just love the relationship of the characters, another Maddie, but a different different spelling of Maddie, uh, with her aunts. And they have a, a catering company for weddings, and they get into this uh, problem because Maddie accidentally kills her date <laughs> on the first day. <laughs> yes. And it's so dire, but it's so funny how Jesse explains the whole situation and then I love that they're discussing what they're going to do with the body and well one of the aunts is making dinner for all of them so that they can (laughs) relax (laughs) I loved it I loved that book too I read that with my online book club with my friends and my mom and my mom has actually read all the books in the series because I think there's another two books like the series goes on And there's a lot of actual food stuff too, because her aunties and her mom are always cooking. Um, And uh, that is, that's really good. There's a good second chance romance in there. Exactly. And that's, I mean, that's my favorite trope every time Uh, in my previous romance, Classic Inceniera, which is about one of Mari's best friends. There is a second chance romance. And I mean, I always love to revisit those loves that didn't have a chance. uh, then. Absolutely. Well, Shamile, it has been a lot of fun chatting with you. Thank you again for joining us on Romance Roundup. Thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure. So I have two honorable mentions. Ooh, okay. Because I strictly wanted to adhere to just foodie romances, I'm giving this an honorable mention because it is beer related. And I feel as if Food well, and mean, beer should be separate. But I think same church, different pew. I think this is allowed. I love that expression. You, I oh, love thank you. You, when you say that. I love that. I also <laughs> like when you say about what really frosts your cookies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when you're annoyed about something. You know, yeah. what? I really frosted my cookies. I have to put it in a book at some point now. <laughs> you have to. That to me is like a very Libby thing to say. Okay. <laughs> So here's my honorable mention. And in full disclosure, I actually worked on the book publicity for this author. Oh, cool. But I genuinely loved the book, which always helps when you're 
trying to get people to also like the book. Super Steamy Romance Thirsty by Mia Hopkins is my food adjacent honorable mention. It is book one in Eastside Brewery series, and it's self-published by Mia in 2017. It is set in East Los Angeles. In Thirsty, a previously incarcerated man, Sal, co-opens a brewery with his friends and needs a place to stay. So he rents a room from a neighborhood acquaintance who was known throughout their childhood as being a good girl and gets straight A's. And she allows him to, you know, rent, I believe it is the, um, not the attic. What is it called? What are those little houses outside of your house? Like a loft? A garage? (laughs) A shed? the shed so there's a shed in her backyard and she lets him she lets uh, so okay (laughs) so wait 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 is he homeless is this another homeless one (laughs) i am now again entering the world of libby k (laughs) yes so sal rents a shed from this from her name is vanessa And she's kind of like skeptical because he just, you know, exited jail. (laughs) Sorry, I'm loving this. (laughs) I don't have to keep all this in because this is just too bananas the way I'm describing this. Um, So, yes. So um, Vanessa is a little hesitant to have Sal come and, you know, rent this shed in her yard because he always had a reputation when they were kids as being, you know, in a gang. So, uh, but he wants to show Vanessa, hey, I've changed. And he's very attracted to Vanessa and she's very attracted to Sal. And I'm liking this. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of a close proximity, opposites attract romance. And uh, you also get to learn about the brewery b- business, like about flavor oh, cool. profiles for creating different flavored beers and, and such. Um, and there is to this day a scene that I will think about every now and again, an incredibly hot scene between Sal and Vanessa in a gym locker room. Oh, now because he works a side hustle as the I don't know if this is an outdated term, towel boy. <laughs> I don't I know, mean, towel, <laughs> towel attendant, I should say. So Sal has a side hustle as a towel attendant at a gym. And I believe it's the same gym Vanessa goes to. And okay. it's after hours and things get get crazy. Steamy. Yes. I think it could even be in the steam room or something. Uh, or a locker room and a steam room. It, it's very graphic. It's a very compelling read. And that is Thirsty by Mia Hopkins. It sounds really good. And I mean, not just because it involves someone not having a house, because apparently that's something I'm into. <laughs> So I have a couple honorable mentions too, because, um, and I will be honest, I've read the ones I'm about to talk about a few years ago. And I, the, while I remember my feeling of reading them, I could not remember the entire plot. So I wanted to give an honorable mention though. Amy E. Reichert, her first three books that she published, um, and honestly, I think one of the first one might've been a decade ago at this point, uh, The Coincidence of Coconut Cake. And then she followed it up with Love and Lemon Pie and The Simplicity of Cider. All three of those books, they're standalones. They're not interconnected. But 
the food or in the one case, uh, the cider is a total character. They are so important to the plot. It drives um, the character development, the romance. Um, but she writes about, I believe they all take place in the Midwest. Definitely the coincidence of coconut cake does, because I remember her descriptions of Milwaukee. And I was like, I got to go visit Milwaukee. And no offense to Milwaukee. I haven't had that thought before. <laughs> Um, but her descriptions of the food scene and and cooking and baking and, um, you know, I don't know, do you brew cider, but making cider, uh, just the, I, I love all of her descriptions and her characters are just so relatable and perfectly flawed. And so I just want to give a quick shout out for Amy E. Reichert's, uh, especially those first three books that she wrote. I would definitely think they're romances, but they do fall a little bit more into the women's fiction side of things. Uh, but they're just really good reads. And the food, I would say, is almost the most important character um, in the story. So I wanted to give those a shout out. Well, I have another honorable mention. This is a food adjacent rom-com that I still, to this day, feel like I remember so much about the food in the book. The romance was fantastic too, but I remember so strongly the food that I act when I was preparing this, for this episode, I was like, oh yeah, this is a foodie romance. And then I was like, actually, it's not technically. Um, the rom-com is The Worst Best Man by Mia Sosa. Oh, I like her. <laughs> yes, yes. I Mia Sosa, uh, Mia's work is fantastic. Mm -hmm. She she writes rom-coms like nobody's business. In The Worst Best Man, Brazilian food is prominently uh, uh, featured because the main character's uh, mother and aunts own a, it's almost like a grocery store slash restaurant. And it's all with Brazilian uh, uh, foods and, and ingredients and stuff like that. So, and they make these types of sweet rolls. And Ooh. I forget the name and it's a well-known name. I forget the name of these rolls, but they were eating them all the time and they're these sweet rolls. So there's a lot of them eating together as a family. There's a lot of uh, characters connecting uh, romantically over food and culture, cultural cuisine. So the, the, the gist of this one is it's an enemies to lovers romance between a wedding planner who falls for her ex-fiance's brother, a marketing expert, and her issue with this brother of the ex-fiance, the brother influenced her ex-fiance not to marry her oh. on their wedding day. On the wedding day? Uh, I think so. Well, but still, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I believe it was on their wedding day. I'm wrong about that. But he influenced, so she hates the, the ex's brother. But Rightly then so. And then, yeah, of course. And then she and the brother end up having to work together uh, on a present on a marketing presentation and to win business that would benefit them both. So, uh, so yeah. But I remember just them eating, and when the so her family knows the brother because he's the brother mm -hmm. of the ex. So they, they're they skeptical of him too, but they kind of like, you know, let him in and feed him. And, you know, um, so food was like a big way of communicating in, in, the, in The Worst Best Man. Um, but yeah, I definitely recommend it. Uh, solid rom-com rom and uh, lots of great food scenes. The Worst Best Man by Mia Sosa. No, and I love Mia's books. Didn't we read the second one um, in book club? The Wedding Crasher. 
The Wedding Crashers. And I think they were in the restaurant yes. slash grocery store a little bit in that too, because as you were describing it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I remember this. Yes. So do you have anything else for us, Libby? A non-romance that touches on the Midwest vibes um, that I really want to talk about is J. Ryan Stradle's Kitchens of the Great Midwest. I love this book. I have probably read it three or four times at least. Um, it's also a great audio book, although the narrator does not have, they don't have Chris Brinkley. So it's not as great as uh, uh, Penny Reed's books, but um, it is obviously it's all about food. It's it's told through different perspectives. I don't want to give anything away because you really have to go into it blind to get the most out of the story. But if you're looking for um, just a really good fiction book that has food as the character and again, like each chapter touches on a different food. Um, it's just such a good book. It's so well-written and um, one of my favorite books that I've probably read in the last few years. So um, Kitchens of the Great Midwest, if you're looking for just a really good foodie read in general is uh, highly recommended by me. <laughs> yes, and I read uh, that book as well and enjoyed it very much. Do you have anything else for us, Libby? I do have a shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shameless plug time. Go for it. Okay, so me and some of my fellow Inkspell authors are part of a holiday anthology that's coming out. Um, actually, it will be out by the time this episode airs. It's called Inkspell Holiday Delights. Uh, this time the theme is fathers and recipes. So everybody has written a little story about a father or father figure in their life and a corresponding recipe. And so that is out now. You can get it um, on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com and Apple. And I believe it'll be available as print and an ebook. So um, you know, just a little stocking stuffer gift if you want to get inside the heads of some of these ink spell authors uh, and the family traditions that um, are important to us. So it is food related. And um, I have a, not to spoil it, but I do have a recipe for macaroni and cheese in there that I think is pretty cozy and comforting. So <laughs> really now. Yeah. Is it multiple cheeses, multiple types of cheese? Yes. I, I recommend at least two or three because um, I have no shame. And uh, <laughs> so okay. the one that I feature is uh, kind of like our traditional family one. And I kind of have a nod to this in my short story that um, my sister, who love you to death, Kathleen, but she is a pickier eater than me. So if I'm making this without my family, just for me and my husband, it definitely has a lot more going on. <laughs> Got and it. I get a little bit more experimental with the cheeses. So, yeah, but, uh, but yeah, that's the Ink Spell Holiday Delights anthology. It's, uh, like I said, it's out now. I'm excited. I'm excited. So, about yeah, that. it's a cute little read. Yeah, it sounds good. It's, I'd like to get some, some recipes. Yeah. And there's some good ones in there. Um, and it's all over the board because it's nice to see everybody's different family traditions. That's the other yeah. part that's fun is you read authors' books and you really, you don't always get to see what, you know, what they're like outside of. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, uh, thank you for allowing the shameless plug. <laughs> anytime, anytime, anything for you, Libby Kay. Oh, thanks, Liz. <laughs> and that's our roundup. Thanks for joining us, romance readers. Happy reading and eating, everyone. Oh, I like what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> 